0: So on Tuesday, a group of uh, Christian leaders took a pilgrimage to Trump Tower to have a conversation, they said, with Donald Trump. And uh, according to to most reports, it was more of a campaign rally than a a dialogue. You know, Trump bragged about his poll numbers and talked about himself and contradicted the Bible and forgot to mention anything about Jesus. And, you know, so the usual. Uh, Afterward, Jerry Falwell Jr., took a picture with uh, Trump in front of a wall of pictures of Trump, uh one of which happened to be trump's playboy cover and no seriously that 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 really did happen and um and you, you may have seen the I'm sure you saw the pictures all over social media and maybe you thought well that's just it's a, it's a joke it's photoshop no really that that actually happened um and he he later lashed out and it, it, it would have been one thing if Jerry Falwell had you know after he took this picture and been called out on it that said oh gosh i didn't realize that was there i made a mistake it was a stupid thing but no he, he defended he, he lashed out at those who criticized his decision to pose with two thumbs up in front of trump's playboy cover and he called us hypocrites okay the irony of jerry falwell jr accusing anyone of hypocrisy is just too much to bear but that's a, a separate issue and in similar fashion um some of the other Christian leaders in attendance, from reports that I've read, spent a lot of the time heaping piles of, of adulation upon the great man. Um, and uh, following this whole sort of pointless pageant, Trump announced the formation of an evangelical advisory board, featuring the you know his loyal sycophants like Falwell and Robert Jeffries and and some others, uh, along with noted religious scholars like Michelle Bachman. And uh, and several others, and uh, you know, as as I said at the time, a few days ago, w- one can hardly doubt that if Saint Augustine or Saint Aqu- Aquinas were alive today, they would clamor to be included in the Donald the Donald Trump uh, Christian Advisory Board, right? Um. Now, 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 thankfully, many of the other leaders who met with Trump declined to endorse him um, when the rally was over, but even some who maintained their reservations still felt and feel compelled to make ridiculous excuses for Trump's behavior. Franklin Graham said, um, said he was talking about Trump's, uh, you know, antics and his character flaws. And he said, nobody is perfect. And he pointed out that Abraham and Moses were also sinners, but, is the this is the kind of thing that the, the kind of argument that I would think is beneath uh, Franklin Franklin Graham and a lot of Christians because obviously Graham realizes the absurdity of this comparison. He, he knows that the great prophets of the Bible did sin and uh, and in some cases sinned horribly but they also repented of their wickedness. They would not be prophets. Uh, they would not be prophets of the Bible that we still read about and look to if they were unrepentant. Trump has not repented in fact he 's bragged of his sin he 's declared with confidence that he does not require forgiveness, and he 's proceeded to recommend that other people follow him into the same sin, like when he told uh, when he said in the past that you know recommended that men treat women like crap. Only he didn't say crap. So this is not just being unrepentant. It's encouraging others to commit the same sins that you did. Which, again, is not what Abraham and Moses did. All right? Um, it's argued, of course, that uh, the Christian leaders who have cozied up to Trump are just following Christ's example. Jesus died with sinners, we're reminded. So, so why should Trump be shunned? Well... I would say that, that, that Christ did dine with sinners, but it's also noticeable that he never campaigned for them. Moreover, never once did Jesus allow himself to be manipulated by duplicitous frauds who, ha- who wanted to use him to enhance their own fame and credibility. He didn't do that. You know, he, he engaged with the lowliest characters, that's true, but he did not entertain disingenuous characters. He praised the unchaste woman, uh, who humbled herself before him, washed his feet with her hair, but, and she was a sinner. Herod was also a sinner, but he didn't, uh, uh, Jesus did not uh, praise him or even speak to him. He stood in, in silent and just looked at him, wouldn't even engage with him. And why is that? And with 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 whom do these biblically versed Christian leaders think Trump most closely aligns the weeping, pious, humble, penitent woman or the wealthy, blustering, flamboyant, egotistical, mocking and penitent king? You know, w- w- which one is, is Donald Trump? I'll give you a second to think about that. Now. I want to make this clear. Um, what I'm what I'm you know, doing here, what I'm saying, uh, I'm not making the case. That a Christian would be sinning if you voted for Trump. I'm not even making the case that you shouldn't vote for Trump. Although, although uh, I've made it clear that that I am not going to vote for Trump, and I don't and I don't think you should. Um, I, I'm anti-Trump. I'm going to vote third party. I think I've been, you know, pretty consistent about that for the last uh, almost year now. Has it been a year? Wow, that's depressing. So that's all true, but that, that's not my point. That's not what I'm saying right now. That's not that's not the topic of this conversation, whether or not you should vote for Trump. We've had that conversation. Um, I don't agree with the lesser of two evils argument, and I don't think that either Trump or Hillary could be definitively labeled the lesser in that equation, but um, I respect a Christian who, after intense prayer and reflection, arrives at the torturous conclusion that he must vote for Trump in order to stop Hillary. I can respect that. Um, if his conscience truly leads him in that direction, if he walks that path out of a sense of duty to his conscience, but not out of any enthusiasm for Trump himself, then I will emphatically disagree while continuing to respect him, his faith, and his choice. Um, you know, n- Nobody should be excited about this election, really, no matter where you stand. Uh, to, those, to those of us who are not fools, the choices are depressing, the situation is tragic, and our ultimate decision is not one we are happy about making. But, you know, that's the position we're in. But my point is, what we cannot do, no matter, you know, how you're ultimately going to vote, what we cannot do, what so-called Christian leaders especially cannot do, is change our priorities, um, soften our message, contort scripture, misrepresent Christian teaching, generally pervert our faith in the service of our political objectives. We cannot do that. We cannot abandon everything we've said about virtually every subject so as to become more effective surrogates for the Republican nominee. We cannot preach a flawed theology so that we don't embarrass or discredit our preferred candidate. Whether or not Franklin Graham votes for Donald Trump, that's his business. But when he goes out and says, oh, you know, that's that, that nobody's perfect, Abraham, Moses, that's bad theology, and he knows better. And he's only saying that to, you know, even though he's not a pro-Trump guy, it's still, in a, it's still you know an attempt to kind of rationalize for Trump. We can't do that because put the election entirely to the side. What's most important is that we stick to these biblical and spiritual truths. We cannot sacrifice those under any circumstance. So to vote for the unrepentant philanderer, huckster, narcissist, con man is one thing. But to pal around with him, as some of these Christian leaders like Jerry Falwell do, to suck up to him is another Uh, To hold your nose, pull the lever for him reluctantly is one thing, but to declare that his utter lack of honor doesn't really matter or to say that Donald Trump's behavior actually is honorable is quite another. You know, look at it this way. If these leaders were ever any good at their jobs, um, at some point they must have worked to instill Christian values and beliefs into the members of their flock you know that's they they illuminated the faith and and tried to explain how a christian can put the faith into practice they helped to equip their flock with spiritual tool, tools to navigate and engage with the world in a way that will bring glory to god if they never did this then they were never and are not now christian leaders but because that's what christian leaders are supposed to do but if they ever attempted to offer this sort of guidance to their fellow believers and if they were ever to any su- extent successful then they have helped to create precisely the sort of Christians who look skeptically at Donald Trump. Now, they might look skeptically and then decide they have to vote for him, but they've created precisely the kind of Christians that could never be enthusiastic about Donald Trump. That could never see Donald Trump as a good, honorable man of good character, even if they still vote for him because they've conditioned faithful Christians to judge every choice and every act by one single standard. Will it bring glory to God? That's the standard by which we judge what is a good act and what is a bad act for ourselves and for others. And generally speaking, we know that something is a good choice that brings glory to God, and we can look at someone and say, that's a good, honorable man if they bring glory to God. And if they don't, then we can't say that about them. Um, so that's how, you know, if you're a Christian and, and you've had good leadership in your churches and in your communities, then uh, that's how you have been conditioned, how you've conditioned yourself and and uh, the, these Christian leaders would have helped in that process. But now for the sake of Trump, some of them have set out to undo the work they've done. You know, they aren't just arguing that a Christian can bring glory to God by voting to stop Hillary. You know, that's one argument. I can I can understand it. But they're not doing that. They're arguing that perhaps bringing glory to God isn't the primary concern in the ballot box after all. So they're, they're, they're going entirely away from it. That, that's essentially what Falwell pu- proposed when he said that we shouldn't elect a pastor in chief. What he really meant to say was forget about God for a second and let's just focus on winning an election. That's... It's, it's, it's that kind of thing that we're seeing from some quote-unquote Christian leaders that is um, disastrous, disastrous. And if it succeeds in getting Trump elected, it will not have been worth it. If, if, if deconditioning people, Christians, in this way, is what's necessary to get anyone elected, even someone I think is great, you know, it would still not have been worth it. But this is what happens, I think, when a Christian Republican becomes a Republican Christian. You know, suddenly our faith begins to reflect our politics rather than our politics reflecting our faith. Uh, Christian Democrats began this process many years ago, and it was such a rapid transformation that now there's no such thing as a Christian Democrat. There's only a Democrat Christian. You know, if you want to be both a Christian and a a Democrat, you have to put being a Democrat first. Because if you put being a Christian first, you wouldn't be a Democrat in the first place. Republicans could uh, be headed down that same path. We're already on that same path. You know, um, a, a, a Republican Christian or Christian Republican, if he makes the heart-wrenching decision to vote for Trump, having decided that he's the best choice out of two abysmal choices, then he certainly has not put his soul or anyone else's in, in peril because of it. But the moment Republicans start presenting Trump's bad traits as good traits, the moments they the moment they say, hey... You know, he does and says the, uh, these ungodly things, but maybe we need to, you know, shake things up a, a little bit, and maybe that's a good thing. The moment they start saying that sort of thing, they've become advocates for and defenders of sin. They've gone from lesser of two evils to maybe this evil isn't so evil after all. And all for what? You know, why are they doing this? For Trump? For an election? You know, as far as the Christian leaders who've uh, now become Trump apologists, I have to believe their motivations are, are worse, really, uh, than that. They, they're they primarily concerned with getting closer to power and fame, you know, not necessarily with, with, with even winning an election or anything else. They've basked in the glimmering light of the throne, and they don't want to leave it. And it's not the light of the eternal throne of the almighty God, mind you, but the gaudy, fake, diamond-encrusted throne of a desperate old man who pretends to be a real estate mogul on TV. That's what they're doing. And it's really, um, as I said, tragic. And what I'll say is, you know, for any Christian leader um, who has not yet kissed the Trump ring, but who wonders how he's supposed to advise his flock in this very troubling election season, um, you know, I'll I'll make a a humble suggestion, and I think this applies to, you know, in general terms. Um, The first, last, and only duty of a Christian is to pursue Christ, to be in Christ and remain in him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the rest will be added unto you, as Matthew uh, as Matthew 6.33 uh, says. So it stands to reason, therefore, that, that, that the first, last, and only job of a Christian leader is to help his flock get there in Christ. It's very, very simple. Um, his duty is to lead us to Christ. Not to Donald Trump or to any other Republican or any other politician. To Christ. That's all. That's everything. If we're in Christ, then we'll access the rest of the world through him. And every time a decision must be made, we'll say to ourselves, if I am in Christ and Christ is in me, can I do this thing? Will this path lead me out of Christ or deeper into him? And if a Christian leader has helped his flock to see the world this way, he's done his job. He's done it. And, and, and if a Christian sees the world this way, he may decide to, rel- to reluctantly vote for Trump or not, But the Christian leader shouldn't be worried about that part because he got us to the right starting point. He got us to Christ. That's all he was supposed to do. He got us there. And, you know, whether or not we decide to vote for the Republican nominee, that's of no relevance to the Christian leader at this point, I would argue. But if the Christian leader is a charlatan, he'll be more worried about the political result than the starting point. And in order to ensure the result he prefers, he'll guide his fellow believers away from Christ and set up a starting point that allows for quicker access to the, to, to the desired result. They'll say, well, you don't need to be in Christ. Now, you know, you could be over here a little bit, and then, you know, you get you can access this part here better. Um, because all they're worried about is the, is the result, the political result. And eventually the political concern, or in this case, the politician himself, becomes the starting point. And now the Christian leader is not a Christian leader at all. He's a political leader. He's a hypocrite. He's a Pharisee. And although Trump will not repent of anything himself, I can only say that I hope these leaders do before it's too late.